Today on Locked on Blue Jackets, we are talking all about Bradley Nadeau and whether the Blue Jackets need another small goal-scoring forward and uh, whether they could take him at 34th overall. Hadi Kalakesh is here to talk about all of that on today's Locked on Blue Jackets. Your Locked on Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster, here to give you the good, the bad, and the ugly about your favorite team and mine, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone for making this your first listen of the day every day. Locked On Blue Jackets continues to be free and available on all podcast platforms. We are over on YouTube and we are on Sirius XM. So if you are the kind of person that listens on the radio, you can do that too, which is super fun. So, like I said, today uh, we are talking all about Bradley Nadeau. Uh, We're continuing our draft coverage because the draft is in six days. Yikes. And uh, I thought, hey, let's get Hadi Kalakesh back in here, host of Locked On NHL Prospects, host of, uh, head head of scouting, uh, head of North American scouting, excuse me, at Dobbert Prospects. And uh, Bradley Nadeau is a really fun player. So I thought, let's, uh, let's have a chat about him. Before we jump into that conversation, I just want to remind you all that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more and visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. We're back with Hadi Kalakesh of Locked On NHL Prospect, of Dobber Prospect. And uh, when I was trying to figure out who we would talk about for this episode, uh, you said that this player was fun. And I was like, you know what? Let's do that. I like I like fun. I like when players are fun. Uh, so we're going to talk about Bradley Nadeau today, who is a guy that I feel like I've heard about, but only like on the fringes of, mm-hmm. of conversation. You know, it, it's very much it's a player that you hear a couple of words about and then they talk about someone else and then they move on. I'm like, no, no, I want to hear more about I want to hear more about this this Nadeau guy. So uh, let's, let's talk about him. Uh, he's playing in the BCHL at the minute, uh, which I think probably contributes to his, uh, like, unknown TM status. But what mm-hmm. kind of player is is Nadeau? What kind of player is a team getting if they draft him? Um, in in one word, a goal scorer. Uh, he's, got, he's got a top five, maybe even maybe top three release in this draft class. Just fantastic mechanics and accuracy and volume and power. Everything about a shot is, is just so lovable. Um, he's able to wire it right into the the postage stamp the top corner no problem but he's also very comfortable taking low shots below the blocker below the glove uh to beat goaltenders he's got a knack for finding space off the puck as well um the comparative for him on elite prospects is mike hoffman and i understand it but i'd say that nadeau has a bit more to his game than hoffman i feel like he's more intelligent more refined and more intense um than hoffman hoffman takes some shifts off Hoffman often just pops up to score a goal and then you don't see him again for the game. Uh, whereas Nadeau is a lot more reliable. Well, at least he is at this level. Um, and you can see the motor with him. You can see him able to, you know, push the pace. Uh, he, he's comfortable pressuring defensemen below their hash marks and, and creating turnovers and all that stuff. But mainly what you're getting out of Nadeau is a, tr- is a premier goal scorer. And he's got great hands as well. Um, 
an underrated passer as well. I feel like he's he's able to make those small give and go plays. It's not the type of guy who's going to fire pucks through three sticks and and connect with teammates or anything like that. But he can play the short game really well. And usually his passing serves his his shooting. He passes with the purpose of opening himself up for a shot. Right. Um, so you're getting a sniper out of out of Bradley Nadeau, a guy who's going to you know at his best if he works out the way we think he can. Um, here at Dauber, probably a 35-40 goal scorer um, at his best. So he's the type of guy who's got some risk based on his size and his lack of physicality. He's not the strongest guy, and he's not really as good as a Jaden Perron, for example, at winning board battles, You know, despite his size, outworking opponents, anything like that. But he's just so good off the puck at finding space in the offensive zone, and his shot is just otherworldly. So you have a very hard time not seeing him score at least 30 at the NHL level if he works his way up to an NHL lineup. Yeah, for sure. I want to talk a little bit about, before we talk a little bit about uh, Nadeau more, the BCNHL, because mm-hmm. I'm doing, I think this is like my 30th uh, draft profile that I've done this season, and I've talked a lot about the CHL, the NCAA, uh, the USHL, the like mm-hmm. the, the European leagues. This is, I think, the first time that we're talking about a player from the BCHL. Yeah. Um, is that like, is this a league that's kind of, I hate to say up and coming because just because I don't know about it doesn't mean that it's not like a widely known and widely respected league. But the fact that he has 113 points in this league this season does make me wonder like, where where is the the the, the tearing point? Where is the, the difference between the BCHL and say one of the Canadian major junior leagues, the one of the CHL leagues? The level is very much lower than in the CHL. You can notice it in games. It often felt like the BCHL was a one-team league uh, with Penticton at the top of it. They won the Fred, the Fred Page Cup uh, very, very comfortably. They went... Um, I, I think they only lost five games the whole season in regulation. So it was a very lopsided league with only one team really firing ahead. Um, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that they would you know, they would hold up against a CHL team, but Bradley Nadeau really carried that team. Him and Adar Suniev, who and Suniev is probably in my 50 to 60 range-ish. Those two guys, um, very different players, by the way, um, but really complimentary when they played together. And yeah, no, it's just, the league is definitely not up and coming. I wouldn't say that it's a league that's gotten better and better at developing prospects because they've been producing prospects at about the same rate. The last major BCHL prospect that we got that was drafted in the first round was uh, Alex Newhook in his draft year. And Newhook was just, he was special. Um, I believe he wanted to go the uh, NCAA route. And that's usually what happens with prospects that are good enough to, you know, compete with the CHL uh, lineup, but don't play in the CHL. It's mainly because they're trying to go the NCAA route. And usually when you go to the CHL, you're locked in there because of the CHL agreements um, and the contracts you sign there. You can't go and play uh, collegiate hockey afterwards. So we saw it with uh, Kill McCarr in his draft year. He was playing in the AJHL, which is a pretty, pretty similar level to the BCHL. Um, and it's mainly that reason. Nado, I believe, is committed to the University of Maine yes. uh, next year. So that was the plan there. Is uh, He wanted to stay with his junior junior AAA team and then go to, uh, the, to college afterwards. So that was a plan with him all along, I believe. And that's why he's playing in the BCHL, because otherwise he'd He'd be tearing it up in the CHL. He's got the skill set for it, for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. I hadn't considered the like the choice to go because um, uh, another player that was BCHL 
and ended up going in the NCAA route that Blue Jackets fans will be very familiar with. Uh, Ken Johnson yep. played three years in the in the BCHL um, and had 101 points in 52 games in his final yeah. season there. Bradley Nadeau mm-hmm. had 113 points in 54. So, you know, it uh, if you're looking for, not, not a comparable maybe, but if you're looking for a player that maybe has around the same ceiling, is Kent Johnson kind of a, a something that they should like? Should we be as excited about potentially drafting a guy like Nadeau as we are about Kent Johnson? Because I don't know about any other Blue Jackets fan. I just assume that they're all as excited as I am about Kent Johnson all of the time. <laughs> We're going to get back to my conversation with Hattie about Bradley Nadeau in just a second. But first, I'm going to tell you guys about FanDuel because it's America's number one sports book. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers are going to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds are on a hell of a hot streak right now, so I will put some money on them. I don't know, winning yet another game. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz is uh, playing lights out. Maybe some money on him winning Rookie of the Year. I don't know. Fun fun baseball bets is uh, is what you can do at FanDuel today. Don't miss your chance. Snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball uh, and also us, the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, no, I mean, Johnson is, you know, Johnson did what he did in his draft minus one um, Mm -hmm. in the BCHL. So he was putting up similar numbers to Nadeau's, but when he was a year younger. So that gives you kind of a a comparable there. So I wouldn't say you should be as excited about Bradley Nadeau, but if you're picking him up at 34, yeah, go ahead. Be excited because it's it's great value. Um, He's in my first round and comfortably in there. He's shown me more and more as the years went on that, uh, as the months went on that, He's got the goal scoring ability to to like he's got a top five shot in the draft, like I said. So when you get that in the late first round, you're pretty happy. Um, and I and I think he would have done a great job in the beast in the in the uh, WHL. It's just a matter of like I said, he wanted to go to college, which is great. It's a it's a good route to go in order to develop and immediately play in your draft plus one against 22, 23, 24 year olds who are bigger and stronger than you. I think that's gonna be gonna be great for his development because. Like I said, what he needs is to be exposed to scenarios where he's facing bigger and stronger opponents um, and learning to outwork them, which he doesn't have to do right now in the BCHL. He can out, you can just outskill everyone. Um, but is that going to hold up as he climbs the ranks? That's what I'm excited to know next year. I I think he might just he might just be one of those guys that you see next year in the in the NCAA and at the top of the scoreboard, and you're like, well, damn, what happened there? You know, same as we saw with Lane Hudson in Strapless mm-hmm. One. You know, tore it up in the in, uh, with the NTDP, and then the big questions of, oh, is it going to translate? Is it going to translate? Then he gets to BU, and he wins the scoring title as a defense as a defenseman. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. So it's just it's that kind of thing where you just I feel like it's going to be that case with Nado, and it might also be that case with Jaden Perron, who I mentioned mm-hmm. in our last episode. Two guys who I think that are going to come from kind of a, an obscure background, not a kind of concrete and and well-known background like the NTDP um, and are just going to come into the NCAA in their freshman year and put up impressive numbers. That's what I project for Nadeau, and that's why he's in my first round. Uh, but I get the concerns because he's he's another one of those smaller players who, you know, I'm not the most scared of small players at all. I'm probably the least scared uh, public scout when it comes to smaller players. Um, but if I see that, your player, that the player is small and doesn't have the adaptive tools in order to compensate for their size, they're out of my top two rounds. 
that's somewhat the case for Nadal, but his shot and his and his puck skills are so solid that I can't help but put him in my first round. Even though I know that, you know, he's not one of those small players whose size isn't a concern. His size is a concern because um, he doesn't play physically at the level that he could. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of the difference for me between Nadeau and Perron. Um, but I still feel like Nadeau is going to have no problem at all scoring goals at any level. So that's why he's in my first round. If he plays in the WHL this season, does he go top 15? I want to say top 15, probably top, top 30 for sure. Yeah. Um, because like I said, he's one of those smaller guys whose size is a concern. Um, he's the same, I think the same exact size and weight as Andrew Crystal, but mm -hmm. Crystal has, um, he, he's more inconsistent for sure. He's got a less, um, a less impressive shot, better playmaking about the same hands. So they're kind of similar level players with, Crystal being a bit more inconsistent and we're seeing Crystal drop out of the first round in some rankings. So that kind of gives you a comparative. I feel like Nadeau would have been drafted before Crystal if, um, and he might still be drafted before Crystal, but yeah. <laughs> he definitely would have been if he was playing in the WHL this year. Although I still believe very much in Crystal's potential and, and have him in my top 15 right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like, this draft, and I feel like people say this every single draft, but I really have no handle this draft on what's going to happen after like four, you know? And even then, they, even they then, could, they could take like <laughs> 10 players at five, and I would be, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense, you know? Yeah. And then they absolutely. could take those same players at 32nd or 34th, and I would also be like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think the only wild, certainty this wild draft. Yeah, no, I think the only certainty this year is the top two. That's generally how I feel. It's, I don't know. I'm hearing a lot of I'm hearing a lot of whispers about the Ducks taking a long, hard look at Leo Carlson. Um, mm. I love Leo Carlson. I would oh, I love be, him too. I would yeah. love to see him as a Blue Jacket if he goes second and the Blue Jackets manage to take Adam Fantilli a third. Like I will just be the happiest podcaster in all of the <laughs> land. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> I I still have Fantilli in a tier above Carlson with mm -hmm. Matt Vaymichkov. So I'm very high on Mishkov as well. I have him third overall and in the same tier as Fantilli. Carlson is just below that in a tier with uh, Zach Benson, those two guys alone at four and five. Um, I feel like if the Blue Jackets get any one of Mishkov, Fantilli, Carlson, or Benson at third overall, those are all fantastic, mm -hmm. fantastic pickups at third. Yeah. It's, it's just that kind of draft year. It's exciting. Like, yeah, <laughs> losing first overall sucks, but like, yeah. oh no, my consolation prize is a guy that's putting up Sadine numbers, you know, or putting up Matt Sadine <laughs> numbers. Oh no, Absolutely. what a shame. Yeah. Um, I want to I wanna talk a little bit more about kind of Nadeau and being a smaller player. I feel like the Blue Jackets have, and I've said that he's a winger on the, the little side thing, um, and that's incorrect. He's listed as a center. I don't know why I said winger. Do the Blue Jackets need another small player? Because I feel like they have a lot of small, skilled goal scorers, but I also feel like you can never have enough of small skilled goal scorers because they're they are fun. <laughs> I am probably the last person you should be asking that question to because I have no fear at all of small players. And like I said, as long as they're able to adapt and and play bigger than their size and have the adapted tools in order to compensate for for the lack of physicality, they're fine. You know, I look at a guy like Sean Farrell who who played NHL games this year for the Habs. He's a small player, doesn't need his physicality, and when he does need it, he's more than capable. Um and, and, you know, we've seen a lot of these players and it's often because they've been smaller than everyone their whole lives. You know, mm -hmm. when a, a lot of small guys, actually what happens is they're 
average size their whole lives and then at some point they stop growing and then everyone, <laughs> everyone else growing. turns 15 and it just goes boom. yeah yeah no exactly <laughs> listen so, that happened to me okay i understand yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> exactly so what happens then is that they haven't developed the tools to compensate because they've been average size their whole mm -hmm. lives up until a certain point whereas someone who's smaller than everyone their whole lives and is still able to compete with them and excel those guys have no problem at the nhl level because nothing's different for them they're still facing bigger guys. They're, they're still facing stronger guys, and they're still able to adapt and overcome. Uh, I don't know Nado's background regarding that, but from what I've seen him, the way I've seen him play, it seems like he's one of those guys that was average size his whole life and then stopped growing mm -hmm. because he hasn't. He doesn't have the adaptive skills that a Jaden Prawn has, or you know, a Martin Louis had in his prime. Those are the types of guys I'm talking about where. You know, you can see how they've learned to compensate for it. I, I don't see that in Nadeau's game, and that's why if I'm the Blue Jackets, at 34, he's a great pickup. But like you said, you've got a lot of small players in your in your lineup. I have I would have no problem if they added Jaden Perron because Jaden Perron doesn't play small. But do you can you really afford to add another prospect who plays small into an already small prospect mm -hmm. pool? That's a concern for me. And that's why yeah. I would kind of shy away from Nedo at 34 if I'm the Blue Jackets. But any other team who has size in their prospect pool, take a shot. He's a great score. Yeah. So let, let Philadelphia feels like a, an immediate <laughs> immediate option there. Um, yeah. Ottawa feels like an immediate option. Um, let's let's wrap this episode up. Uh, and I want to finish off because I think it's probably the last time that we have have you on the show before the actual draft because it's next week somehow already. Um, yeah. <laughs> what Tell me is about it. what is your your kind of either your hottest draft take or who is your kind of dark horse prospect that you think is going to fall either out of the first round and should be in the first round or who do you think is going to go in the top 10 that shouldn't be in the top 10? I think David Reinbacher should not be a top 10 pick. And I have been on the hot seat for that a couple of times. <laughs> I think. What are you going to do when Montreal takes him at, at five? I, I'm genuinely, <laughs> I am going to cry. Um, especially if they pass on Zach been, Benson or Matt um, I've been winding Scott and Laura of uh, Lockdown Canadians up about this for like three weeks. It's it's my favorite thing to do. Oh my God. I, I genuinely do not. Like, I, I feel like Dmitry Simishev is mm -hmm. what everyone thinks David Reinbacher is. Um, so David Reinbacher is kind of touted as this high floor, um, but decent enough ceiling kind of guy who you should take a fifth overall because he could be a top pair defenseman. I have a very hard time seeing Dave, David Reinbacher being anything less than a top than a second pair defenseman, but I also have a very hard time seeing him become any more than that. And I love his rush defending. I love the way he defends his own zone. I love the way he, he acts in his own zone, the habits he has and the reaction time and all that. I don't see the offensive upside. I feel like a lot of his offense has come this year from the fact that there's a lot of collapsing that happens in the uh, in the Swiss National League. Teams tend to collapse on their own goal and protect the middle of the ice, which leaves a guy who's a good skater like David Reinbacher completely free to just circle the ice five, six, seven times in the offensive zone. Is that going to work in the NHL? I don't think so at all. And I don't think he's in a chair right now where he's learning anything valuable at the NHL level. On the contrary, I think that he's picking up the wrong types of habits um, that won't work at all at the NHL level. Whereas Dmitry Simashev has everything that Ray David Reinbacker has at a higher level. He's a better rush defender. He's a better skater. He's a better in-zone defender. And on top of that, he's got flashes of offensive skill. The, the little hesitations at the blue line, the small give-and-goes he plays from the blue line in order to activate offensively. 
for me, Dmitry Simashev is probably not going to be in the top 20, and I think he should. he's my eighth overall prospect in this in this draft, and that's the highest-ranked defenseman I have. The only thing is he's left-handed, so he's less of a premium than a right-handed defenseman, right? But, yeah, no, I just... I see everything Dmitry Simashev does, and I'm like, that's that's who everyone thinks David Ryanbucker is. Like, pick that guy in the top five if you want. I don't mind. But Ryanbucker, I've got at 16th because I... I am very concerned with the habits he's picking up right now in the Swiss National League. Yeah, for sure. So this is this is my favorite time of year. I love when all of the draft lists come out and I get to compare them all and see who's who picked what at where the Blue Jackets draft and things like yeah. that. Um, if people want to kind of go and find your draft rankings, look at your work, and uh, call you clueless because you don't like a certain player, <laughs> um, <laughs> where can where can people find you and your work online? Yes, uh, please go insult me at twitter.com uh, slash K underscore scouting. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's all on my Twitter. If you're watching on YouTube, it's right below my face here. Uh, you can find it pretty easily. Uh, but if you're listening to this, it's K underscore scouting on Twitter. Um, my rankings are my pinned tweet. You can uh, see them just by going on my profile. It's the pinned tweet there at the top. Um, and everything I post in terms of articles, in terms of videos, in terms of uh, even podcast episodes for Lockdown NHL Prospects, all that goes on Twitter. I retweet everything I do there. So it's the one-stop shop. But if you want to find the podcast, you can find it everywhere. You find this podcast, so YouTube, Spotify, Odyssey, even SiriusXM now. Um, and you can also find it on uh, Twitter at LO underscore NHL Scouting. So that's the full rundown of where you can find me in my life. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out of what I'm sure is a very busy uh, Tuesday, oh, the week before goodness. the draft. This is uh, my and... sixth <laughs> podcast appearance in two days. You are and I've got two more lined up. And you are a hero <laughs> to the Locked On Podcast Network. Um, and we we'll should. definitely be in touch after the draft. And you can tell me all kinds of nice things about who the Blue Jackets drafted uh, with their, their third overall and their 34th overall pick. For sure. Thanks for having me. And that's all I've got for you today. Uh, tomorrow we will be back uh, and we'll be talking about Mathieu Olivier who signed a contract uh, yesterday actually uh, or the the day before but yesterday as of the time of recording this um, so we will be talking about that and uh, also checking in on the Blue Jackets draft stories uh, whether they are any closer to making some kind of trade I think We'll, uh, we'll find out. So we're going to talk about all of that tomorrow on Locked on Blue Jacket. I've been Jay Foster. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find Hayden at HaydenH971 on Twitter. Uh, you can find the show at LO underscore Blue Jacket. If you have comments, questions, criticisms, you can email me at LockedUpBlueJackets at gmail.com. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day every day. Locked on Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms and also over on YouTube. And... Uh, Yeah, thank you for listening. Until tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on.